Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 86 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with David LePage. David LePage is co-founder, director, and managing partner of Biosocial Canada. Biosocial Canada facilitates social purchasing relationships and offers a certification program for social enterprise suppliers and purchasers. David is Executive Director of Community Impacts Real Estate, or CIRI, a social enterprise in Vancouver's downtown Eastside using a portfolio of over 100,000 square feet of commercial property to create social and economic value for low-income residents. He is a founding partner of the Social Enterprise Institute, or SEI. SEI is an accessible online learning, coaching and resources platform for social enterprises and social entrepreneurs. David is a principal with Accelerating Social Impact, Triple C Limited, one of Canada's first ever hybrid social enterprise corporations. And through ASI, he provides social value-based business advice and consulting promotes a supportive public policy environment, and advises social purchasers and impact investors. His years of experience cross all dimensions of social enterprise activity in rural and urban settings, across cultures, and internationally. David is the chair of the Social Enterprise Council of Canada and chair of the Social Enterprise World Forum Board. He's a program adjunct and instructor for the University of Fredericton Sandemone School of Business, MBA in Social Enterprise Leadership. David is a member of the Canadian CED Network Policy Council, a board member of the Vancouver Farmers Market, Ethelo Decisions, and Ethelo De- Democracy. David was the manager of enterprising nonprofits from 2006 to 2013. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss David's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector, both in Canada and around the world. We'll get David's insights and perspective on social innovation, and we'll hear where David believes there are strong opportunities for organizations and governments to create positive social change. David, thank you very much for joining us. Tom, thank you. It's a pleasure. So David, as one of the pioneers of the social enterprise sector, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working in this space? It's interesting when you say pioneers, now it's getting to be, I used to tell stories in in, in years and now I've been told it. I have to start using decades. Um, <laughs> well. So it is mental. And it's interesting because I originally got involved in social enterprise. We didn't have that term. But what we were doing is, is years ago in the in the early 70s, we were doing community organizing in um, inner city communities in the in the U.S. is where I was working, mm. and as another tool to empower communities, we realized we had to 
to own our own businesses or use businesses um, as an effective tool. And we didn't do it for the profit. We did it because we needed a print shop or we wanted to keep a restaurant from closing in the neighborhood or we needed to improve housing. So we came at it from really a community organizing, a, a social value kind of perspective. So we had to figure out, like, how do you do this How do you learn how to use businesses? Uh, Because it was a really important fabric in the community. So we had to learn that this was part of what we had to do. Um, Mm. So it really came from how do you make sure that some of the services and some of the issues that can only be delivered through a business model are done that in a way that contributes to community doesn't just extract value from mm. community. Yeah, fantastic. So as the CEO then at Biosocial Canada, which is an intermediary organization that advances social procurement, can you please share how you've seen this sector shift in Canada or globally and the most common challenges you see when bringing purchases and suppliers together? So I think what we have to realize is that the marketplace has been around for a really long time. People trade goods and services. It has been going on for thousands of years. Somehow, in the past four or 500 years, that relationship between suppliers and purchasers went from something of creating mutual value to someone actually creating personal or, or private or economic benefit. Mm-hmm. And when we started to talk about social purchasing, as a way to enhance the capacity of social enterprises, the first reaction from buyers was, you know, is this some kind of socialist plot to overthrow capitalism? Mm. And we couldn't say that. So we said, no, no, (laughs) it's really about putting a social value into the marketplace. So I think the biggest shift, Tom, has really been not so much the transaction. The transactions still happen, Mm. but now we're actually shifting the culture or the outcomes of those relationships from just being an economic relationship to being uh, a sort of a community value outcome. And and that's not so much a technical thing as it is a cultural and a value-based model. So so I think the big shift I've seen is people are starting to understand, um, yes, we're buying goods and services, we're competing on price and quality, uh, we learned 20 years ago, and we're still learning how to add an environmental value. Now we're saying, and there's a social value in this relationship. And this relationship is not just a transactional relationship. It's yeah. actually a, a transformation piece. It's a cultural relationship. So bringing together buyers and suppliers or social enterprises and the traditional buyers, it's really recreating relationships Mm. yeah it's it's a really really nice way to frame it that's for sure so what advice then through this such diverse experience david would you give social enterprises who are looking to build their revenue streams and engage with government or corporate buyers and to further this common relationship in in bettering the community or or the, the, the space around them I think we have to realize that most purchasers have been trained around getting the best quality product 
at an effective price, and these other things are, are new to them. So we, we really have to be conscious of that, where they're coming from. And we really have to be conscious we're working and competing in the big marketplace. So social enterprises have to be able to compete on product and service, quality, efficiency, pricing, and have to be able to demonstrate their social value. So where we see the success is when we have a, a social enterprise that can be really clear about here's what I deliver, here's the quality, here's the pricing, and here's the social value that comes with it. Mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing that as that's the model for for everyone to succeed because the buyer feels really good about the fact that they got what they needed at a competitive price, plus they contributed to the community. Yep. The social enterprise can say, oh, I got a new customer. Mm. Yeah. And, in every, and, and this is a part that's important, Tom. Every new customer is greater social value. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you see struggles sometimes in these organizations being able to communicate that effectively? Yeah, and well, I think as part of it is we're still at a story anecdotal stage, right? So mm. even the, the limited research we have, and you look at the great work that's been done like um, with Ready for Business in, in Scotland, it's, yeah. it's really that learning to bring people together and recreate relationships because evidence is one thing, but but we know that a lot of purchasing especially government and corporate is really about the relationship. So so I think what we're we're doing is we can create the research and show some outcomes uh, but it's really it's when they start interacting between products and services and the buyer starts to say, "Wow, I got what I wanted, what I needed at a good price and I helped a community create 20 jobs for, you know, people with barriers." Then we start to click, and that's what we were talking about a few minutes ago, right? That's the cultural shift. It's not just an evidence-based model. Mm, certainly. And you just brought in government there too, David, and you've played a very large role in helping develop policy, and you're also the chair of the Social Enterprise Council of Canada. So from your perspective, what should governments be doing to support the social enterprise sector? And what tangible results has the Canadian government seen by engaging with the sector? So I think there's there's some important components. One of them is that we learned probably, I think as now as was writing something the other day, it's, it's over 10 years ago, <clears throat> we started to approach the development of social enterprise in Canada from an ecosystem perspective. Yeah. And basically said, you've got to have business acumen, you have to have access to the right capital, you have to have access to markets, you have to have the right policy framework, you have to have networks. So, so it allowed us to create a framework to influence government policy at the municipal level. We have provinces, provincial level, and the federal level, not by trying to say do everything at once, but to to build over years an ecosystem. Mm. So using the right context at the right time, because I think where some governments have been much more focused on, well, we can help build capacity or some other governments, we can move on social procurement. Um, so having that ecosystem perspective, I think has really benefited our ability to influence it and 
we now look at that framework and we see it reflected in just last week, Newfoundland Labrador passed a social enterprise strategy based on that same framework. Nova Scotia is based on that. Mm. Ontario has used a lot of it. Manitoba. And now working with the federal government, we're just finishing up a major policy recommendation for the federal government, working, co-creating with the federal government, a social innovation, social finance strategy. Mm. And again, it has those same components. So I think the big thing we learned is is really this ecosystem approach and co-creation, still some big gaps, of course. I think the biggest gap in Canada is, you know, we're, we're still struggling with uh, getting a finance, a social finance spectrum that, that's really complete, not just one that offers market returns, but one that yeah. actually works more on a community-based model. So mm. moving, but still a lot to do. Well, it certainly sounds like a lot of progress has been made, that's for sure, which is really positive. So as chair then of the Social Enterprise World Forum, which this year will be held in Edinburgh, what are you most looking forward to about the forum, David? And what can participants expect if they're to go? And we're very happy to say that we'll be there and we're looking forward to meeting a lot of you there. Yeah, it's and it's great because we had the first Social Enterprise World Forum in in Edinburgh, so it's great to come back 10 years later mm. and to see the shift uh, in the conversation because then it was a few hundred people talking about what is and, and what are we doing and just what is this thing called social enterprise. So lots of exploring of, of some basic concepts and, and building some relationships. Now, 10 years later, you see the strength that comes from different Every country has just matured so significantly when you look at you know, this, what's going on in New Zealand, Australia, Taiwan, Korea, mm. um, to say nothing about what you've done in Scotland and Britain. Um, so I think the big shift is now it's no longer about just what is and, and why are we doing this, but how do we work together to, to show the impact and to demonstrate the impact and to shift the public policy arena. Um, I think the Social Enterprise World Forum, the greatest benefit has been the ability to move from country to country, from continent to continent, and the legacy impacts. I mean, I think of Canada. It was like in 2013 when we hosted the Social Enterprise World Forum to get a federal minister to stand up in front of the, the global community and say, we support social enterprise. Mm. was a significant legacy, and yeah. we see the development that's happened. So I think the greatest thing is this year at the Social Enterprise World Forum is, is to really experience that collaborative environment that we've created that, that reflects why we do social enterprise. It's really about building you know, communities, and we've built, we've built relationships. We continue to do that. Mm. So I think there's a pragmatic side, but there's also sort of this real – reflection of this is a new way of doing business this is not about you know business to extract this is about business to contribute to community and we see that growing every year yeah well it'll certainly be a really exciting environment to to be a part of that's for sure so thanks for the work that you're putting into to making that a reality. So touching on social entrepreneurship from from a, I suppose more of an individual touch point, what do you believe are the fundamental ingredients then of successful social entrepreneurs? 
So I think sometimes it's that they have a really great business model, but but I think more than that, it, it's really about understanding that this isn't just the product or the service. This is really has to be mission driven. Mm. And social entrepreneurs that are successful really are driven by that that mission, that purpose to to make some kind of significant change or some kind of you know impact in terms of the social value. So what happens then is because they're so driven by mission that the values of things like persistence and focus have to be there, right? Mm. Because even if you have the great business model and you try to tell someone we're doing this business model to change the world, they look at you like, come on, you know, what's the product? What does it cost? And you say, no, what's really important here is, is the social impact Mm. that takes, that takes persistence and it takes focus because we've seen social entrepreneurs start out with that, but then, shift because well the investor says they want this or or you know well we've got to get a market return on our investment so let's let's focus it this way i think the ones that have been really successful are those that you know stay focused are persistent and understand that it's really the mission driving this it's it's the product and service is great but it's like what's the social value we're creating here mm. i think there's some really really good insights there i mean you, you've spoken a little bit about mission drift there i mean what what would be one of the most common reasons that you see social enterprises fail then <laughs> this yeah. is where it flips tom <laughs> yeah. well the reverse of what i just said right <laughs> no, no it's sort of like you know, the successful ones are the mission-driven, but I think some of the failures actually come from poor business skills, mm. right? Because they think the whole thing can survive on mission. Yeah. And and if you're, let's say, in the construction business or the, the home repair business, you got to do a, a really good job. If you're in the food and catering service, you've got to do excellent food at a competitive price, mm. regardless of your, of your mission. So on the one side, we have to be really mission-driven. Yeah. But if we don't blend that with really good leadership and uh, good business skills, we're just not going to be successful. So I think the success side and the failure side is that capacity to blend a focus on social outcomes or social value. But to make that and to deliver that in such a great business package that people want your product or service which creates the social value. Mm. I think that's a great, great tip there. So what inspiring projects or initiatives then have you come across recently? And I'm sure you've come across hundreds which are creating this positive social change and which are effectively using good business to create positive social change. I think there's some real interesting things that have been successful. I mean, we start to see social enterprise working in traditional business areas. So we see like Embers in the downtown Eastside, which is one of Canada's poorest postal codes, running a social value day labor company working primarily in construction. And by creating a a social value driven business model, great filling a great market need, but really enhancing and creating, I mean, they, uh, 
typical day, they'll have 300 people out in the field working, which Mm -hmm. I think is a significant impact because they're working primarily with people with some barrier to to employment. But they're doing it in a really supportive way. I think we're seeing more success with some of the Aboriginal-driven social enterprises, recognizing that culturally a social value business is really effective in in Aboriginal communities. Mm. I think we're seeing much more leadership from and recognizing that for a lot of social enterprise, it's really been driven by the leadership of women. And we need to... Some of us, like myself, need to learn to step back a bit and and recognize that and and let that leadership come forward. Mm. Um, I think the biggest step we're seeing is that social enterprise is starting to change in that it's responding to market needs as opposed to just a social need. So rather than saying, oh, I need to create some jobs for these people or or we do this uh, as a social value, they're starting to look at like, okay, where's the business opportunity that I can take advantage of in order to achieve my mission? So Mm. we're seeing a lot of activity across Canada in the construction sector, like the fringes of the construction sector, Mm. subcontracting, et cetera, because there's a huge market need. So it's, it's interesting that the model's shifting from being driven by I have a social need to is there a market opportunity? Mm, very interesting. So, David, you've seen a lot of change over the last 10-odd years or, or many more years in the, in the sector. So looking forward then, in 10 years' time, where would you like to see the sector sitting and what sort of changes would you like to see within business? So I think the, the progression we need to see, Tom, is, is to continually look at that as this evolution of other relationships in the marketplace. So social enterprise is, is actually seen as a, a significant part and an important part of the supply chain for government and private sector because we know that every purchase has a, an economic and environmental and a social impact. It has those ripples. And right now, oftentimes, we just let the ripple happen. It's very unintentional. So I think if in 10 years we're, we're much more conscious of, of intentionally creating the, the economic and the social ripples we want, mm. um, then, then I think we're, we've made some progress. But uh, that, that progress means a shift, as we've talked about in relationships, a shift in uh, some public policy that encourages it. So, so we see people getting rewarded with tax incentives or financing or whatever that creates not just an economic value, but that actually creates an economic and a social value. And I think that's, if we can get more of that movement, like where the private sector starts to understand um, this isn't about quarterly dividends, this is about long-term engagement and, and transformation of communities, that's where I think we're, you know, we've been, that's what social enterprise, I think why it started, you know, how it's emerged. And, and I yep. think our success will be measured. You know, can we continue to, to, to move that dial? Mm, I think there's some really strong experience speaking there. So to finish off then, David, which books would you recommend to our listeners? That's, that's such a great question because I think there's a couple sides of it. 
I have some authors that I really like, and and it's like they aren't social enterprise authors. It's like I really like Saul Alinsky, one of the original community organizers. Mm. Great, great history. People like Peter Drucker, yeah. you know, from the management side. Mm. Someone who was very early on talking about systems, uh, Fritov Capra, who wrote, you know, the Tao of Physics back in 72. Yeah. People who start to to look at the dimensions within the, with the work they do with different perspectives. But the biggest thing, I think, is we just have to keep learning. It's like it doesn't come f- always from a book or no book has them all. I mean, Sean Lonnie in Canada has written some, you know, like his latest book about social enterprise, An Army of Problem Solvers. Mm-hmm. is a great addition to, you know, the literature. But I think it's also important, you know, read some novels, you know, have some fun. <laughs> this isn't all about just, you know, uh, pounding. I, I think it's great to, to see the people and the professional, you know, the social enterprise people engaged in in learning, yeah. which is which is the big part here. Mm, absolutely. Well, I think, David, there are some excellent insights today that you've shared. So thank you so much for, for generously sharing your time and, and many years of experience. I, I certainly appreciate it very much. We'll look forward to seeing you at the Social Enterprise World Forum in Edinburgh in September. And until then, thanks so much, and and we'll certainly look forward to touching base again in the future with you. And thanks for this time, Tom, and thanks for all you're doing to support the the Social Enterprise World Forum. We really appreciate your efforts. It's certainly our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.